When it comes to marketing online, you'll often hear the mantra, content is king. So if this is true, and I think that it is, then surely the holy grail of content marketing is user-generated content. I can't think of a better way to have your content generated than by your own customers. But you can't just expect people to give away their time generating content for your business. So how do you encourage this behavior? And what are the different types of user-generated content out there? We'll discuss this and other things in this episode. My name is Jared Doyle, and this is the Fractal Podcast, where I interview marketing experts from around the world to help startup founders like you drive their business forward. Hi, and welcome to this week's episode. This week, we're going to be talking about user-generated content and how it can be a vital part of your marketing mix, especially if you're a founder of a startup company who doesn't necessarily have a huge budget. And to talk about this, I'm joined by Lorraine Ball, who is the owner of Round Peg. And what I love about Lorraine is, although we're absolutely spoiled for choice with tools and tactics and tricks and all things we can do out there with all the technology available to us as marketers, Lorraine does all this, but she specializes in steeping it in the foundation of good marketing, which I personally like to think is still absolutely core. So we we hear about user-generated content, but I think just to set the scene, can you maybe for everyone give your definition of what you see user-generated content as being? User-generated content is a very broad term, and it runs the gamut from reviews and endorsements to photographs that are submitted by your customers. It is any content, video, text, photographs that are created by people outside your company and shared online, tagged and referencing you. And really, when you think about it, there's a pretty wide supply of information that you can get other people to share about you. Which is great when you think about it. If you're either time poor or intrinsically lazy, the idea of somebody else doing writing your own marketing content for you is just a utopian uh, situation, isn't it? You know, it absolutely is. I always use the example when you're trying to grow your business. One of the best ways to grow your business is with other people's money because that influx of capital, whether it's a loan or an investment, really helps you multiply what you're doing and what you're investing in your business. Well, other people's content or user-generated content really works the same way. It multiplies your message. And I want to be real clear that I'm not talking about scraping or stealing content, but really getting people to willingly talk about you. I mean, obviously, you know, the pinnacle of user-generated content are things like social networks is Facebook. I mean, Facebook don't produce any of their own content, really. I mean, they're a little bit, but 99.9% of it is generated by us. And then Facebook turns our content into collateral that they can sell advertising on. So that's, that's one extreme. If we, and that's, you know, baked into Facebook's business model. If we wind this back to a smaller business, you mentioned reviews. Now that's going to be key. Now that could be anything, right? That could be business reviews. That could be product reviews. That could be even personal reviews on LinkedIn, right? They're all covered. There's probably even more examples we could talk about. Absolutely. And the really amazing thing about reviews is that today the average consumer is more likely to believe the advice suggestion or recommendation of a complete stranger 
over an expert working for your company. That's interesting. I've heard people talk about, you know, recommendations from friends and that's kind of obvious, but what you're putting here is like it's a middle ground that says, well, there's advertising where you talk about yourself, there's friends and family, and of course we trust those, but there's a whole middle ground, which is recommendations from strangers, which I must say, I hadn't really occurred to me as a, as a subset, but it makes a lot of sense. Well, I do a lot of traveling these days and everywhere I go, I whip out TripAdvisor and Hotels.com and Yelp because I want to know what other people who have visited that city have done or thought. And it's not that I believe everything that I read, but I'll read multiple reviews to get a sense of what I should be doing in any given situation. It makes sense that you you want to do that because on the on the flip side, of course, you're looking for that that review. And I know for myself, I'm looking at booking a holiday in Japan. And of course, I know very little about Japan. Of course, I know very little, but I do know very little about Japan. So my natural position is to filter all the hotels that we might be staying at with user reviews of eight plus and, and literally not consider anything less than an eight star rating. So, you know, that speaks to exactly what you're talking about. Absolutely. So as a business one of the things that you can do, regardless of the size business you are, is actively solicit reviews. You want to get reviews on Facebook. You want reviews on Google My Business. You want, if it's appropriate, Yelp or LinkedIn. But you want to encourage the people who have had good experiences with you to tell others. And the flip side of that is, if you're encouraging user-generated content, You have to be prepared for that less than satisfied customer and you have to be very responsive. You don't have to admit guilt or solve the problem, but you have to acknowledge that the other person is unhappy and demonstrate a willingness to have that conversation and have a strategy for how you're going to handle those calls. It's such good advice because it is a double-edged sword. You want all positive reviews and then inevitably someone will give you that absolutely terrible review and you think it's completely unjust. But as you rightly put, and I think it's really good advice, you need a plan of how you're going to deal with it. And the most important part is to demonstrate a willingness to try to accommodate that person that's upset. And you see now brands full-time on product review websites with allocated customer service people who are responding and saying, really sorry to hear about your experience. You know, please contact us here. We'll look to do something. We've taken your advice on board or whatever it happens to be. But, you know, acknowledge that someone's got a real complaint. And I think, I know I read that and think to myself, well, you're putting an effort in. And even if that person continues to be disgruntled, my consumer filter is, yeah, but I can see the hotel or the product or the service providers tried. So I'll give them the benefit of the doubt in that situation. So I think having someone and being prepared to answer potentially negative questions is is absolutely crucial. And it's something I know I personally struggle to do. As soon as you get that negative comment, your knee-jerk reaction is to go in there and argue with them, right? You are never going to win that argument. I mean, you're, you're just not. And I'm always reminded when my, my daughter, who is now an adult, was a teenager, she and my husband would go round and round on things. And she would go storming off and he would sort of try to run after her to finish the argument. And I had to get in between them and just say, do not engage, do not engage, do not engage, because it just fuels the fire. I'm sorry that you're unhappy. Let's have a conversation. The ultimate goal here is to turn a dissatisfied customer into an evangelist who just goes, wow, I was upset, but look what you've done for me. I love your brand now and completely turn the whole situation around. And that's a really good point that a lot of businesses solve the problem and everybody walks away happy and they forget to ask the customer to go back and write that second comment and let people know that you did just that. 
What I love about this sort of, I guess, conversation thread we're following here is that it applies to so many different types of businesses. So even if you're a a consulting business, you know, like you said, LinkedIn reviews and reaching out to people who you've had a good experience with. And at that point, when they're at their happiest and they're most willing to kind of give you a little bit of time, I guess, is to ask for that LinkedIn review. Do you have any tips around getting those reviews? Do you, you recommend people sort of write them or give examples or give tips or ideas? Because it can be a little bit onerous to ask someone to write a publicly viewable review of you know, yourself. So we have, um, and we use uh, in conjunction with email marketing, we do this for a lot of our customers. They send us just a spreadsheet of everybody they did business with in a given period of time. And it varies depending on, like my HVAC clients, I may get, two weeks worth of names. Uh, My carpet guys don't do as many clients. We might get a list once a month. And we have a standard email that goes out and says, hey, thank you for trusting us. We really enjoyed working with you. If you have any questions, if there's anything you're not happy about, here's who you contact. Push this button, click here and get in touch with that person. And then underneath it, And if you are pleased with the job, we would love it if you would share a review. And then we have a link and we typically rotate. We used to put like three links in there and we found that that was overwhelming. So we'll do Google My Business for a month and then we'll do Yelp for a month and then we'll do Facebook for a month to try to get the reviews on the different sites. So I love the idea that you actually screen and in, in effect, you're basically filtering your customers out and saying, if you've got a problem, we're here, content says, let us know. If you don't have a problem and you're happy, hey, leave us a review. And that way, you know, you could almost, you can almost add that filter there. And, and I guess it's, look, it's not misrepresenting. It's just selectively choosing who you want to ask to, to give you a review. So I think that's really good, really good advice. Yeah, I actually have a friend who developed a software product that you can put on a website and you can rank the company using this product. And if you rank them four, five, or six, then the review gets automatically posted to different sites. But if you give them a low review, instead of automatically posting, it actually sends an email to the company owner with your notes. Yeah, I can see exactly why you would do that. And, and you know, and look, that's the goal, right? Is is to push yourself up there. And I've got a few clients using Trustpilot at the moment, and it's a not dissimilar process. Okay, but can I switch gears? Sure. Because we've talked a lot about reviews, which is the most common, but I don't think it's the most fun user-generated content. So so now, now I'm intrigued. <laughs> what, what's, what's, more fun, what's more fun than dealing with disgruntled customers in a public forum? <laughs> well, I think the, mo- the more fun is encouraging your customers to share experiences and play games with you and interact with you. And I've got a couple of quick examples. The first, and I don't know if he does it anymore because I don't watch, but Jimmy Fallon used to go out on Twitter and basically say, tonight, this is what I'm talking about. And he'd ask people to share. Tell me about your worst first date experience. Tell me about your funniest pet story. And people would share their experiences on Twitter and he would collect them and some of them would make their way into his monologue. So using social media to gather content that you can then turn around and spit out. Another example of this is contests Lay's potato chips. They do a contest where they ask people to submit their suggestions for a new flavor. And then people vote on the flavors. And then 
one of the flavors becomes a potato chip flavor. I didn't even know that I needed Southern biscuit and gravy flavored potato chips until they won. I can tell you the Australian equivalent. They ran the same kind of competition, different chip company. And I think it was um, meat pie and sauce, which is, you know, very Australian, <laughs> but that was the flavor of chip. And and just like you, you kind of, I didn't know that was there, but it just engaged people. And I think we ended up with two flavors. It was meat pie and sauce and Vegemite. I mean, just <laughs> ridiculously Australian flavors, of course. But people then became really passionate about it. And they, you know, they, like you said, they started generating their own content. They started Facebook groups. They started lobbying friends and family to vote for a particular flavor. I think the thing is the value, or or I guess the, you know, the value we add as marketers is helping to not just come up with the idea, but the execution of that, because it can, you know, if you do it badly, if it's a bit ham-fisted and it becomes a bit too obvious that, you know, maybe you've got an agenda. Yeah, that's not going to work. But I do love the idea of, of running contests and being flexible enough as a brand to actually accommodate those, you know, include them in your talk or your speech or your monologue or, or even roll out that particular flavor. I think that's a great way and potentially something that lots of different brands could get involved in. And the really cool thing, and, and you hit it when you, you made that point about the fact that people were forming their own Facebook groups to lobby their friends. You can't pay. There is no way you can buy that level of enthusiasm and that level of interaction, it comes because you put an idea out there that people were generally having fun with, and then they shared your message for you. I think that's kind of the real magic of user-generated content. And in some ways, the review sites themselves then become user-generated content themselves. Mm -hmm. So you think about TripAdvisor, you know, so much of their content is user-generated as well. So you've got this business that's about helping businesses create user-generated content in the form of reviews, which they then use for SEO and capacity in their own marketing exercises. So this thing can become layer upon layer if we start this thing together. Absolutely. In a way, this whole process kind of exists because the internet is a web. You know, we called it the World Wide Web and the visual was this kind of interconnected spider web. And it works best when you're referring and connecting and and interacting. And so if you've got a good user-generated strategy, you are actually using social media and the internet to do exactly what it was designed to do. Yeah, I think interactions is a great way to describe it because advertising companies to me are interruption machines. They're about breaking the content that you're consuming with an ad and putting it in between. And Let's be honest, no one really likes like an old school ad, but interactions is the new way. So it's almost like you take those two words that sound a little bit similar, interactions and interruptions, split them out and say, if you're going to do good marketing and you want to use user-generated content, it's about interactions as opposed to interruptions. And that way people are consuming your content, your brand, and probably some part of your messaging, but they're doing it willingly and they're engaged, which is so much more efficient and effective from a marketing and an advertising point of view than the old school interruptions where you buy a video spot or a TV spot or a radio spot and interrupt what's already happening. So I love that as an overall idea. And, you know, I think as a broad marketing, we spoke about the foundations of good marketing. I think these days, more and more, the idea that you can build a band by buying lots of billboards, lots of radio spots and TV spots, and somehow that's going to grow. I think that's gone. I mean, the brands that were able to do that, they've, they've come, they've either come and gone or they're come and they're established. 
But every new brand and every new strategy really has to be about those interactions. And if you can get people producing content and getting engaged with the journey that you want, much better solution. It absolutely is. And I think that if you're going to build your business and build your online presence using a lot of user-generated content, one of the most important things to do is to say thank you to the people that are building your brand. And when it comes to social media, fundamentally, it's about ego. And it is about people who are participating because they want to be noticed. Now, if you get thousands of responses, you may not be able to personally thank all of them. But if you, just like with the reviews, if you interact and you visibly seem to be thanking a lot of people and acknowledging the contributions, other people will play, hoping you will interact with them. And so, you know, you can put together this whole strategy, but if you're a bit of a jerk and you never say thank you, it's not going to work. I think further to that, if the person who interacts with you or who's putting their own content out or their own thoughts on a topic happens to be a, a brand powerhouse in their own right, maybe not, maybe not Jimmy Fallon, maybe, you know, a, a D or an E grade celebrity if we, if we go that far these days. But I know for myself, if I write something and someone comments, then I get that, that tickle, that excitement that says to me, oh, great, someone read it and all oh, they're saying thank you. And then I think you can use that and, you know, to help kick off, like you said, that user-generated content and that discussion is to not just say thank you, but also know that even people with a, who you would assume have a reasonable following love that little tick that says, someone read what I wrote and commented and have engaged with me. And then, so you're building that bond, I guess, almost using their initial content and you're sort of jumping in on it, but in such a, a generous and social way that it doesn't feel anywhere as... Um, just doesn't it doesn't feel corrupted or, or fake it's it's a genuine it's a it's a win-win you're doing something positive for them and supporting them but you're probably gaining something as well so yeah i think any kind of interactions whether it be responding to co comments on your content or taking it the other way and responding to other people is probably a sound strategy you know i have had some of the nicest conversations and interactions with other marketing professionals with business owners from all sorts of places just because I did just that. And, and, you know, when people reach out, it's such an egalitarian thing on the web because we're all equal. You put your content out there and it sits side by side next to mine, next to somebody else's. And if you take the time to acknowledge people, first off, you're going to have more fun. You're going to get more interaction and more interesting conversations. You'll learn something along the way. And you may even get some content that you can use to help grow your business. It's something that I try to, to do myself and I've seen work. So I think if anyone can pick up and follow that thread and, and make that part of their daily routine from their content, the way they do their, their social interactions rather than interruptions, that you're going to see a lot of success with it. So Lorraine, I'm keen to give you a bit of a soapbox and I've got two questions for you. The first one is, if you were to meet a founder of a new company, mm -hmm. you know, probably a startup because that's mostly founders of startup companies and you're, you've had the coffee and you want to leave them with one bit of wisdom for their marketing, for their business, what would that bit of wisdom be that they can concisely walk away and you say, look, if you don't do anything else, just do this one thing. What, what would that be that tidbit of information you'd leave a founder with? Okay, so I'm a bit of a numbers geek and I'm going to tell you that you need to treat your marketing like an employee. You would never give an employee a desk and supplies and set them off on a path and not check in on them. You wouldn't keep writing checks for their salary 
you have to treat your marketing the same way. You set objectives and you got to measure it and you got to figure out, am I getting value from what I'm investing? And even if all you're investing is time, you have to be measuring. Look, as a direct marketer, and that was my, my background, you know, it drives me insane when I'm doing marketing and I can't put some kind of measure behind it. And it typically falls into that box of people sort of air quote branding. It's like, oh, it's good branding. And you think, no, but you can measure that as well. Like you don't just have to just pretend like it's eyeballs. Let's go a little bit further than that. So really good advice. Thank you. The second question, a little bit harder, mm. is, is there a theory, an idea, a thought that you have at the moment that you find more people than not tend to disagree with you on and and here's your opportunity to kind of i guess put forward your argument to why you think this trend or this idea might be right and other people might be a little bit off the mark okay that is a little bit harder maybe because i've been doing this a long time and people are afraid to tell me no or tell me i'm wrong but i don't know if people necessarily disagree but i definitely think this is something that i'm circling back around to is this idea that social media platforms are evolving in a way that they are extremely different. That even like Facebook and Instagram, which are owned by the same companies, have two entirely different purposes. And they are good at two entirely different things. And you really have to be looking at what is the platform and what can I do with it? Facebook is a great way to drive traffic to your website. It's a great way to get people to buy now and register and download. And Instagram is not. Instagram really is, I would say, this generation's television marketing. It is brand awareness. Yes, you can get a little bit of interaction, but people are not really taking the actions from Instagram, but they are getting a general sense of who you are. And I think companies that are trying to put the same content in both places or even worse on Facebook and LinkedIn are just making a huge mistake because they are very different. They will drive results, but it will be very different results. And you can even have exactly the same audience. Um, you can create an audience in an ad campaign on Facebook. You can target Facebook. You can take target Instagram. But you know, if you click that box in Ad Manager on Facebook and say, "Yeah, also share this with Instagram," you're almost guaranteed to fail relative to what it would be if you ran them separately. Because I think you're exactly right. Even the same person turns up on different platforms. They assume a different persona. You know, it's it's a different form of interaction. They're looking for a different form of entertainment, a different form of engagement, and a different type of interaction. So, yeah, I think if I wanted to summarize that, I guess it would be come up with a different strategy and a different persona in the way you carry yourself on each of the different platforms if you want to succeed. I don't know if that's a good condensed version of what you said, but that's my attempt. No, I think you're absolutely right. And I, I love that phrase, um, people show up with a different persona, because I don't think that marketers always think about that. You know, that idea that when I go to a networking event at the Chamber of Commerce, and then I leave there and take off my high heels and meet my friends at a bar, I'm the same person 
but I'm not having the same conversations. That's almost exactly the same advice. We had a sales gentleman, Matt, on a couple of episodes ago who gave the same advice to almost the same question, which was, you know, people say, you know, be who you are and, you know, you'll be successful. And he said, oh, he just didn't believe in that. He said, no, you need to be the person you need to be for a situation and you need to be a little bit of a chameleon. That doesn't mean to be fake. It just means to be the parts of you that are relevant for that particular situation and adopt that personality. So I think we've kind of crossed here into the the marketing slash sales crossover point. But you know, the two aren't that far apart, even though we'd like to think that as marketers that we're not salespeople, we're all salespeople in our hearts, I think. Yeah, my sales coach will tell you that sales is not a dirty word. It is a very honorable profession. And if business owners want to succeed, they have to spend a little time being salespeople. Exactly. So Lorraine, look, thank you so much for your time. If people, and I know you produce a lot of different content, so if people have heard some of your pearls of wisdom right now and they're like, they want to get some more of this, and I know there's a lot out there, where are the best places to find all the content that you're sharing with everybody? Well, the first place is go to my website. It is roundpeg, R-O-U-N-D-P-E-G.biz, B-I-Z. And you can find our resource section and there's links to everything. And if you're just a podcast kind of person, then look for more than a few words wherever you listen to podcasts. Fantastic. Thank you, Lorraine. Thank you so much for your time, for all your advice. And like you said, if you're listening to this, you can listen to podcasts. So I think jump onto your podcast and add that to the mix and you'll you'll pick up a lot of condensed, very efficient marketing advice there. (laughs) Thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much for inviting me.